This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of Edge Microactive Pre-Emergent Herbicide. The heartbeat of Saskatchewan is agriculture, and 620 CKRM is proud to be your source for everything ag. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with your host, Jim Smalley. Good afternoon. Welcome to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. It's brought to you by Harvard Western Insurance. We don't judge. Here's another reminder to renew your plates today. Visit harvardwestern.com. And brought to you by the Arcola Co-op. You're at home here on Highway 13 in Arcola. Today, StatsCan releases its crop production report reflecting significant declines in yields due to widespread prairie drought. We talk with grain market analyst Adam Piccalo about this week's moves in the markets, as well as hearing reaction to the StatsCan crop report. Sask Wheat held coffee talk meetings at four locations with farmers. We hear about those conversations. Regina's proposed waste straw pulp mill gets a boost from federal funding. and We have an update on the flooding impact in B.C. and the potato wart fungus in Prince Edward Island. The farm weather is in its usual spot at the bottom of the hour. This is Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Johnson's Grain, helping growers contract any type of grain. Call 1-800-324-7778. And brought to you by Farm Fresh Water. They'll make your well water wonderful and your dugout drinkable. Get your Farm Fresh Water today at farmfreshwater.ca. The latest production estimates from StatsCan shows a significant drop in crop production this past year due to drought. Wheat production dropped 48% to 21.7 million tons across Canada and 8.3 million tons in Saskatchewan. Wheat yields averaged 26 bushels an acre in Saskatchewan, down 43%. Canola production decreased 35% nationally to 12.6 million tons. Drought pushed canola yields to the lowest level since 2007 averaging 25 bushels in western Canada and 22 bushels an acre in Saskatchewan. Prairie barley production fell 35% while oats dropped 43% due to drought. Grain prices were showing a downward trend for the week. Commodity Futures Advisor with PI Financial Adam Piccalo says canola futures dropped $3 a ton for the week while wheat futures declined 20 cents a bushel. Well, Jim, starting off on the canola front, it was a pretty volatile week here. January canola currently is down about $3 a ton on the week, even though today we are up about 12. We saw actually a pretty big move down on Tuesday this week, uh, approximately $45 a ton. Um, but we've actually rallied back higher here to near the contract closing highs on the January contract. On the Minneapolis wheat, the March futures are down approximately 20 cents a bushel. Minneapolis wheat has been trading fairly sideways trading pattern here since the end of October. So what are the factors pushing down canola this week and wheat? Well, it has been a very volatile time for the general markets. And what I mean by general markets is talking a little bit more on the stock market side of things with the new Omnicron variant that has been putting a, a bit of doubt into investors' minds. So we saw WTI oil drop approximately $12 a barrel, and that really just 
spread, you know, throughout the whole market. So there is a bit of a, a risk off feeling, regardless of, you know, at the fundamental side of canola. Again, a stats can report came out today, but overall, there's been just quite a bit of volatility and, and traders are watching closely as well too what is going on in South America for the weather side of things. Soybeans have been starting to increase a little bit here in the last three days, rallying approximately 50 cents a bushel and soybean oil as well too, recovering from some of the lows. And so that's definitely been helping the canola front. And so what's the outlook next week and beyond? Well, one thing to note is how the January contract is going to be coming up to expiry here in the next month. And like we saw in previous contracts, there's definitely going to be volatility. That's that's There's no question about that. And we'll see possibly that the March contract start to push above that $1,000 a ton again here. On the Minneapolis wheat front, again, there has been a quite tight trading range on Minneapolis wheat. I'm watching $10 a bushel on the lower end or for support and approximately $10.60 a bushel on the higher end is resistance. So it has been trading pretty tightly between there in the last month and a half or so. The Stats Can Crop Report came out, the crop production estimates, final estimates. What's your take on it? What has it done to the market? Well, looking at the stats can report, first off on the canola side, they reported canola production fell to the lowest level since really 2007 on poor yields. Canola production, they mentioned, came out at 12.6 million tons, which is down about 35.4% from last year. Saskatchewan in particular production was down about 45.4%, Alberta down about 31.1%, and Manitoba production down 28.2%. So uh, overall, this report, I would say, just confirmed what you know many believe was true, actually. There was really no surprise, I would say, in the report. As you can see today in trading, canola up approximately $11 a ton on January right now. So do you consider this StatsCan report positive or negative for markets? I would actually kind of say kind of more on the positive side right now, but to be honest, it, it isn't a very large report kind of mover here because it's more confirming what I would say traders already believe to be in the market. Uh, and that's why I think we're just seeing, you know, even today, for example, Minneapolis wheat is actually down 11 cents a bushel on the day, yet they stats can came out with wheat production fell about 38.5%. So, they came out with lower harvested area and yields, um, kind of pushing that production down. But again, the, the market is down here today. Bacallo says markets remain volatile because of uncertainty around the coronavirus. Back to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. This portion is brought to you by Seedmaster. No matter what you grow, Seedmaster has the ultimate seeding solutions for better crops and bigger profits. Seedmaster.ca. The Saskatchewan Wheat Development Commission wrapped up a series of coffee talk meetings with growers on Wednesday. The informal discussion centered on production topics following a very dry year in all parts of the province. There were sessions in Wilkie, Melford, Grenfell and Saskatoon. 
Sasqueed agronomy specialist Haley Tetro says a common topic at all locations was residual nutrient levels. Kind of expected them in a lot of areas to be really high, but it turns out they're a lot more variable than maybe we thought. Um, so we didn't see as much mineralization, so that's kind of impacting it. Um, and then that regrowth in the fall of weeds or crop um, really took up a lot of nutrients out of that soil. So that was kind of an overarching theme that we really seen. Um, we also have a, a wheat watch to direct producers to to take a look at that and it kind of covers the impacts of the drought and different considerations which covers the uh, nutrient variability. So that's another point to the residual nutrients was they were highly variable this year too. Um, depending on you know how much moisture there was in the field, those slew bottoms produced a lot better than you know the higher areas of the field. So that's going to create some big nutrient variabilities, and then as well as that regrowth that we just talked about, kind of uptaking some nutrients more so. Tetro says there may be some new research on these issues coming soon. Yeah, so nutrient residuals, maybe not so much. We do have some resources available on that on our website, but more so is the nutrient removal rates. And so a lot of our numbers that we have currently are maybe a little bit older, and they're working to update those now. Um, there's research being done on that. So we should see results from that fairly soon. I think they were impacted a little bit by the drought this year, but that should help us, you know, with better fertility recommendations to better match that plant need. So that's a really important piece of research that's coming out fairly soon. Tetro says there were several concerns from different areas of the province. Herbicide carryover obviously was a big concern in a lot of different areas, depending on the moisture that each area received. But that was a pretty common theme that we heard, just depending on crop rotations and, and how to manage that in different areas with the options that they have available. We, again, released some resources on that on our website, so people can check that out. Insects, of course, are very variable throughout all the different places. So we've seen, you know, some areas had significant grasshopper pressure, some had areas where it was just kind of in the perimeters and some not at all or areas where you know there just wasn't the crop to spray so that was an interesting one. Uh, wheat midge seemed to be overall not a huge concern in the areas we went to. There was maybe high numbers but not um, high damage that we're noticing in the samples. And then seed for next year there was some concerns about quality which we definitely didn't hear which was a really great thing that we kind of noted was you know with that extreme heat we had we can typically see damage to that seed German vigor but we haven't seen that in anyone we've talked to so that was a really good thing but still the availability of seed is a little bit limited because the drought was so widespread. I haven't heard of anyone not being able to find seed but it is important to look early so that you're prepared and testing your seed too to know if you actually need seed or, or what your quality is that you have on farm to know if you need to seek new seed is, is really important to do as early as you can. Tetro says snow cover varies widely across the province. Significantly, yeah, that was one thing we really noticed. Melford had a significantly more amount of snow than, you know, Saskatoon. And driving down to Grenfell yesterday, we seen a rainstorm, which was interesting. It's probably the most rain I've seen all year. Um, but there was not much snow in the ditches or in the fields. So, um, you know, maybe that rain kind of, I don't think the soil temperature is that cold. I don't think it's significantly solidly frozen yet. So maybe we see some infiltration there. Um, and then over in Wilkie, we've seen, you know, a decent amount of snow. Not a crazy amount um, up at my farm we've that's by far the most snow I've seen out by Spearwood but it is definitely highly variable so hopefully you know we can get more snow. Haley Tetro is the Sasquatch agronomy specialist. Time now for Real Agriculture with Sean Haney brought to you in part by Karst Holdings in Assiniboia and Schlamps Integra Tire in Grenfell your locally owned Integra Tire dealers on the source 620 CKRM. This is your realagriculture.com update. 
Bring the energy of Real Ag Radio to your next customer meeting or conference. From your stage, we'll record an episode in person to inform and provide insight on the latest in agriculture. Sean Haney here with RealAgriculture.com and Real Ag Radio. I'm joined right now by Jen Gerson from The Line. Jen, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about some of the things that are happening politically right now in the country. We've got Parliament that's returned nationally. Uh, we had this urgent election that had to take place, and they... they they so rushed back to Ottawa in such a hurry to get things done. What, what are you expecting out of this new version of the Trudeau minority government? Well, if we're going to take the throne speech as any indication, the answer is probably uh, not much. Um, I think that the Trudeau government has a couple of things on their agenda, uh, internet censor- censorship and, and managing uh, internet um, speech issues, which I think will be controversial. Um, and we're also going to see a, a much more aggressive uh, environmental platform. Whether or not a lot of that stuff is going to be overshadowed by events, Watson, dear events, um, no, I'm not saying that right, events, dear events, um, uh, you know, uh, things like uh, inflationary issues, geopolitical issues, I think that seems increasingly likely every day every day that goes by, to be honest with you. Yeah, it it seems very apparent and clear that environmental issues, issues related to dealing with climate change, have woven and worked their way through almost every department. Um, I think that there is a broad abstract support for addressing climate change and emissions. The question is whether or not that broad abstract support translates into individual sacrifice. That's that's the real issue. So I think, you know, most uh, Canadians when polled will demonstrate, yes, climate change is an issue. Yes, we should do something about it. But wait, what do you mean my gas price is going to go up 30%? Right? What do you mean my food prices are going to go up 40%? That is where the rubber hits the road on a lot of these policies. And that's where I think that the buy-in is maybe not as there as as the the, the Trudeau Liberals would would like or appreciate. And then the second problem in all of this is that, you know, I'm a big advocate of things like um, the carbon tax, reasonable carbon tax. I think there's a lot of reasons why we need to be doing stuff like that. But, you know, Canada still accounts for 2% of global emissions, less than 2% of global emissions. You could wipe this entire country off the map and it's still going to be, you know, India, China and Russia and, and the U.S. that decide where emissions goes globally. So, you know, where I think that the Trudeau government is absolutely missing an opportunity here is that it, it can't just be a conversation about emissions. It's also got to be a conversation about infrastructure capacity and hardening. We are going to be very vulnerable to climate change. We're seeing right now in what's going on in B.C. Um, and we've seen in Alberta, you know, wildfires, fires, floods, all of these issues. We are a huge landmass with a relatively small population. We've got a lot of rural communities that um, are not well accessed by let's say, infrastructure that's been kept up to date and top of the line. And that makes us incredibly vulnerable to major events, um, major climactic events. Um, We have to be prepared for that, and we have to start being smart about that. And I think that, you know, if if this Trudeau government were smarter, they would recognize a um, pan-partisan opportunity there. I think conservatives, liberals, NDPers, we can all get on board on the the necessity for infrastructure hardening. You know what I mean? Like, this is not not a hard sell. Instead, we see the Trudeau government going for more and more divisive actions that are really based in um, uh, uh, shutting certain industries down, punishing certain industries, without necessarily looking at the other end of the equation. I think that's a mistake. If the U.S. can pass infrastructure spending 
Canada should be able to do the same. It's a bipartisan issue. Investing in the future of the country, long, long-term ROI. It's not a quick result, which is probably why politicians avoid it. Um, one of the things that we've been noticing is that the the current government has much more of a of an akin to the European perspective. Yeah, I mean. It strikes me as that a lot of what our federal government is employing here and what our, especially what Trudeau did recently at COP26, strikes me as much more performative than, than substantive. A lot of it seems like he is trying to put on a really, really, really good show so that when he can transition into his post-politics space, he winds up being the guy who has an important sounding title at the UN or, or, or you know, the World Health Organization or, or Davos or one of these places. He, he clearly likes being in that set. Um, and that's fine, except that it's it's often very divorced from the real realities that Canadians and its industries are facing. This has been your Real Agriculture Update. You can find out more about this issue or many others at realagriculture.com. It's your agri-weather forecast on The Source 620 CKRM. The official 620 CKRM farm weather is brought to you by Shepherd Realty in Regina, specializing in farm and ranch real estate in Saskatchewan. Call Harry, Justin, or Devon at 352-1866. And Moose Jaw Truck Shop, the number one choice for any diesel engine repair. Drop in, no appointment necessary, or visit moosejawtruckshop.com. Mainly sunny today, wind west 30, gusting to 50. The high, minus 2. The low, minus 13. Wind chill minus 12 tonight, minus 19 overnight. Saturday, increasing cloudiness, snow beginning in the afternoon. Wind southeast 20, gusting to 40 in the afternoon. The high tomorrow, minus 4. The wind chill, minus 19 in the morning, minus 10 in the afternoon. The low, minus 12. Sunday, cloudy, 60% chance of flurries. The high, minus 13. The low, minus 25. Monday, sunny, the high, minus 17. The low, minus 19. Tuesday, sunny, the high minus 13, the low minus 16. Wednesday, partly cloudy, the high minus 6, 30% chance of evening flurries, the low minus 9. Thursday, partly cloudy, with a high of minus 7. Normal high for this date, minus 6, the normal low, minus 17. The sun rose at 8.40 this morning. It sets tonight at 4.57 p.m. And on the roundup... The hot spot, Assiniboia at plus one. The cold spot up north, Stony Rapids at minus 24. Esteban is minus one, Saskatoon minus seven, Swift Current minus two, Weyburn minus one, Yorkton minus four. Regina is partly cloudy and minus three, that's 27 Fahrenheit. Winds are from the west at 27. Humidity is 62%, the barometric pressure rising 102.6. Partly cloudy and moose jaw, minus one. Winds are from the west at 35, gusting to 46. Once again, Regina, partly cloudy and minus three. That's 27 Fahrenheit. Back in a moment. Get out to an early start on weed control in next year's canola and lentil crop using Group 3 Edge Microactive from Gowan Canada this fall. Edge Microactive, maximize yields today and manage resistance for tomorrow. Always read and follow label directions from Gowan Canada. You're listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with 620 CKRM Agri-News Director Jim Smalley. This portion of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by McDougall Auctioneers. Get fair market value for your assets with an online auction through McDougall Auctioneers. McDougallAuctions.com. And brought to you by Pattison Liquid Systems, experts in liquid fertilizer distribution. Fertilizer's just better when it's wetter. Pattison Liquid Systems, expect the best. 
As floodwaters begin to recede east of Vancouver in B.C.'s lower mainland, officials are starting to get a better idea of the extent of damage to farms and farmland. Initially, officials believed about 1,000 animals perished in the flooding that started around the middle of last month. B.C.'s Agriculture Minister, Lena Popham, told reporters yesterday the extent of loss is much worse than that. Currently, there are still about 819 farms that are under evacuation. We know at this point there are 628,000 poultry reported dead, 420 dairy cattle deceased, and approximately 12,000 hogs. And also of note, there is 110 beehives that have been submerged. I've been in constant contact with farmers through the latest series of storms, and they're continuing to show their incredible resilience. We had about uh, 10 cattle liners lined up in Abbotsford um, over the last storm, but uh, that was going to help with relocation, but they weren't needed, thankfully. Um, we are getting a donation, a many donation centers set up to help with feed and supplies that are coming in. Uh, having to find places for donations is a good problem to have. The generosity of people is, is exceptional. On Monday, I visited the Abbotsford Emergency Operations Center and I talked with staff who are set up right there in the community. There's also a dedicated branch of the uh, Emergency Operations Center set up to assist uh, directly with agricultural producers. Our teams are really strong out there and they're, uh, they continue to be at the other end of the phone lines. They are organized into teams in those rooms. And the staff at the Emergency Operations for Agriculture are assisting with a safe location of live animals where needed. They're supporting the feeding and on-site care, on care for some of the livestock that are still uh, in areas of flooding and facilitating and removal of the disposal and deceased animals, of course. That's species Agriculture Minister Lana Popham. As for farms that produce fruit and vegetables, many of those fields are still underwater. Some blueberry producers are worried many of their plants will have to be ripped out and replanted when they can finally make it into those fields. It takes about four years for a new plant to begin producing fruit on a commercial scale. You're tuned to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today on The Source 620 CKRM. This segment of Saskatchewan Agriculture Today is brought to you by Degelman Industries. Look to Degelman for the most reliable, dependable, engineered tough equipment on the market. And Arcola Building Supplies, small town lumberyard, big on service. ArcolaBuildingSupplies.com A federal agency is providing support for the proposed $350 million waste straw pulp mill in Regina. Sustainable Development Technology Canada has awarded $3.8 million to Redleaf Pulp to commercialize waste straw into paper and packaging materials. As demand for paper products rise due to the shift away from plastic and polystyrene use, Redleaf's technology offers a sustainable alternative that does not contribute to deforestation. Federal Natural Resources Minister Jonathan Wilkinson says Kelowna's own Redleaf pulp will use agricultural byproducts with no previous end use as inputs for their products, creating value where there was none and turning organic matter into recyclable products. Redleaf CEO Martin Pudlis appreciates the significant support from the federal government. Redleaf Pulp's initial plant under development in Regina will have the capacity to produce 182,000 tons of market pulp a year from wheat straw collected from local producers. Production is expected to commence in 2024. This would be the first non-wood pulp mill in Canada. 
Consortium partners in the project include All North Consultants, New York-based CNG, Finland-based Valmet, and IEM of Surrey, B.C. The Federal Agriculture Minister says she can't guarantee a resolution in the issue surrounding potatoes from Prince Edward Island by Christmas. The CFIA suspended the movement of potatoes from PEI to the U.S. because potato wart fungus was recently found in a couple of fields. The fungus isn't harmful, but just doesn't look pretty. It also has been around for about 20 years, and the spuds are normally cleaned and sprayed with inhibitors, so infected soil can't be exported and sprouts can't grow. With this management in place, Tory agriculture critic John Barlow wanted to know why the federal government is continuing with the suspension. Hundreds of islanders have lost their jobs and the livelihoods of farm families hang in the balance. Now they're told there's no guarantee that this issue will be resolved before Christmas. This is unacceptable. When will the Prime Minister understand this isn't a little potato problem, it is a big potato problem and our entire industry is at risk? When will he do something to address this export ban? are suffering right now and are worried and the conservatives are making jokes. It was back in 2016 that Justin Trudeau had been nicknamed Little Potato during a trip to China since his last name sounds like the Mandarin word for potato. His father had been known as Senior Potato. BASF Canada has announced nine community donations totaling $65,000. The grand prize of $25,000 goes to an organization in the Peace Country region of Alberta, the Gleaners. The group processes locally grown vegetables which are then dehydrated to be distributed to those in need around the globe. Eight other community organizations received $5,000 each. In Saskatchewan, those receiving $5,000 include the Lions Club in Sovereign, the ABC Daycare in Theodore, the Gap Swimming Committee near Ceylon, and the Hafford Communiplex. BASF has over 600 employees with farm chemical production facilities in Regina, Saskatoon, and Lethbridge, Alberta. The Market Updates with Jim Smalley on The Source, 620 CKRM. Market Update is brought to you by Nelson GM in Assiniboia and Avonlea. With new inventory arriving daily, they'll find a vehicle that fits your agriculture lifestyle. Proudly serving southern Saskatchewan for over 60 years. See Nelson GM today. Grain prices were mixed in early trading. Viterra prices for canola rose $22.50 at $1,032. One red spring wheat fell 296 at 469.52. The rest unchanged. Durham 716.91. Feed barley 383.64. Flax 1470.59. Lentils 986.50. Oats 566.63. Yellow peas 623.24. And feed wheat 261.65. At Minneapolis, March spring wheat fell three and a half cents at ten thirty-eight and three quarter cents a bushel. It's the livestock reports on the Source six twenty CKRM. The livestock quotes are brought to you by the Weyburn Livestock Exchange. Call Weyburn eight four two forty five seventy four. And now the latest quotes. This is Graham Barnett with the Market Report. Heartland Livestock here in Moosha, 2,433 at our pre-sort here on last Tuesday. That market was a little stronger again on these top-end quality calves. Another 1,800 expected at our Tuesday, December. And that's our last pre-sort of 2021. Cow market looked much the same as last week. We had close to 700 cows on offer there on Thursday. The good cows, 66 to 73. Sales rate up to 77.50 on them real hard kind of cows. Medium cows, 56 to 65. 
Here's what happened at our pre-sort there on Tuesday. 481 weight red and black steers at 235. The 585 weight reds and blacks at 208.75. 650 weight red and black steers at 201 and a quarter. We sold 51 or 54 good Hereford steers from Tony Dixon up there at Creek. 529, they bring 212 and a quarter. Into the heifers, the 97 little heifers. They weighed 351 pounds at 201 and 50. A try loader, 483 weight eight black heifers, they bring 184 and a quarter. The rest of the heifers from 168 to 175, but these plain to medium cattle and these short frame cattle, they continue to be discounted. This has been Grant Burnett reporting. Let's have one great afternoon. And the latest pork prices, 168.05 per CKG. Coming up, the Resource Report. This is the Saskatchewan Resource Report on 620 CKRM. Here's Jim Smalley. Now the Resource Report, brought to you by Second Look Online Auctions. Visit 2ndlookonlineauction.com to see what's up for bid. SAS Power says it's extending the current rate of 7.5 cents per kilowatt hour paid for electricity through the net metering program for another four years. SAS Power says the decision follows public consultations. SAS Power's goal is to develop plans for new and emerging small-scale technologies to provide customers with more options when it comes to purchasing, generating, storing, and managing electricity. Results of a survey show Saskatchewan customers are interested in generating their own power and customers would like to see innovation and openness as SAS Power plans for the future. SAS Power's net metering program gives customers the opportunity to generate their own power through renewable technologies and sell power they don't use back to SAS Power at a rate of 7.5 cents per kilowatt hour. The economic landscape in 2022 is a lot brighter for Saskatchewan compared to 2021 according to RBC Provincial Economic Outlook. Saskatchewan is set to lead the nation with a change of 5.6% in the GDP. Economist Robert Hogg says that Saskatchewan economic recovery in 2021 was much slower than expected, which allows more growth as compared to other provinces. Saskatchewan's economy is, is not that far into its recovery, will not uh, uh, the same issues, or at least not to the same degree as other provinces. You know, the recovery will continue uh, to unfold at a very you know, rapid clip. A rebound in agriculture along with high demand for potash and a strong start to the oil and gas season are few reasons for Saskatchewan's economy, according to RBC. On the markets, the TSX fell 218 points to 20,543. The Dow has fallen 197 points at 34,442. Oil has risen $1.10 to 67.60 per barrel. The Canadian dollar is down five one hundredths of a cent at 78.01 cents U.S. That's the resource report. If you missed any segment of the show, tune in to the on-demand Saskatchewan Agriculture Today podcast. Brought to you by Gowan Canada. Gowan Canada understands the challenges growers face and takes pride in finding effective crop protection solutions. Visit GowanCanada.com to learn more. That's Saskatchewan Agriculture Today. I'm Jim Smalley. You've been listening to Saskatchewan Agriculture Today with Jim Smalley on 620 CKRM. If you missed any of today's broadcast, download the podcast now online at 620CKRM.com. Saskatchewan Agriculture Today, following the 12 o'clock news on your voice for everything ag. 620 CKRM. This podcast brought to you by Gowan Canada, makers of edge microactive pre-emergent herbicides.